And this service, we've been preaching on the book of Revelations in this series, I mean. And so let me do a little bit of backtrack so you don't jump in and, and trying to understand all the way. So the Bible tells, uh, or the, the Bible had the Old Testament, amen, and the Old Testament was written to the Jews, amen, and it wasn't written to anybody else. And it, the Jews were written, they were a covenant people. And based upon the covenant that God had made with them was, if you do, I will do. If you do, I will do. Amen. That's the way the Old Testament was written. And the Apostle Paul said, and we see that, the, that the, if you read the Old Testament, it seems to be very harsh, cold at times. And God allowed a lot of stuff that we don't understand, and maybe we would think that, is that morally wrong? You see, it, it's hard to understand. But the Apostle Paul said, all of the Old Testament, or all of the law, let's put it that way, the word he used, all of the law was written for a purpose. Amen? Amen. And it was to draw the whole human race into one conclusion. Amen. And that conclusion was, you're not able. The law brought forth a conclusion that all, A-double-L, all have sinned and come short of God's glory. So now what are we going to do from here? See? That's, that's the whole reason of the Old Covenant. And God took a whole nation, established them, through all their trials and, and their shortcomings, and, and he revealed himself, and then he rebuked them, he carried them away, he judged them, and through all of this, he was drawing a conclusion so that they would know, A, the righteousness of God, and B, the glory of God. Right. Amen? So it was all draw, drew a conclusion that you're not able, not one of you, no matter how hard you try, no matter how great your lineage is and your father's 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 fathers were all priests. And they were all righteous and they all did their best. And, and here you were raised in the admonition of the Lord and, and you were just taught everything and, and you were taught not to carry more than two pieces of paper or the weight of two pieces of paper on a Sabbath day, nor go beyond a Sabbath day's journey. Don't pick up a pencil. Don't write. Don't do this. Don't mix this. Don't mix that. Because why? God's righteousness is so complex. We're going to give it all to you. And in it all, when you did all of this, guess what you have done? You have fallen completely and utterly short. Every one of you. No matter how perfect you are. So the question is, you're standing before God's judgment. What are we going to do from here? See? Covenant. If you will, be perfect. See? What do you say to Israel? Be thou perfect, for the Lord thy God is perfect. So then after we have done all of our doings, and the best we can do, and the Apostle Paul laid this out to the Hebrews. He was trying to, in the book of Hebrews, he was trying to lay it out saying that to him that labors for your righteousness, then you have a reward. Amen? See, Abraham could boast because Abraham labored. 
But there's one person he couldn't boast before was God because he did fall short. So to the man that works for his own righteousness or salvation, he has a reward. But you can't get into heaven with it because you've never made yourself righteous because you were born in sin. Born in sin, shaped in iniquity, and come to the world speaking lies. So how are you going to undo that? And that sinful nature that is in me, remember the Apostle Paul said, when I would do good, evil is present. For the thing I find a law within me, that's within my members, that when I would do good, or the things that I would do, I don't do, and the things that I would not do, that's exactly what I do. Amen? A statement was said that nobody knows just how bad they are till they try really, 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 really hard to be good. Then you find out just how bad you are. Amen? Well... If all of your reward when you stand before God or in your prayers, our day, Lord, I've tried so hard. Don't do that. Do not do that. Because you're, you're coming to God based upon my works. But the one thing you didn't or have not done is brought up your bad points. So you're pleading to Him based upon your works. But you're standing before the throne of grace. And the law has drawn a conclusion that we've all fallen short. That's what the Old Covenant was all about. Now we're standing in the midst of an Old Covenant and then the New Covenant. Amen? Standing before God's throne, He looks down upon His children and there's none righteous, no, not one. Now what are we going to do with you? If we're going to judge you by my law of righteousness... I think we've made the argument thoroughly that you're done for. Just wipe the human race off because there's none righteous, no, not one. And then God says, but in my law, there is something written in there called a substitutionary offering. In the Old Testament, it was called a goal. Somebody could stand in the stead of the guilty. Amen. The innocent could stand in the place of the guilty, but whatever the charge for the guilty was, the innocent would have to be willing, good and forcing, but he had to be willing to bear it, the judgment of the guilty, completely. Do we find one? That's why we look over in the book of Revelations when the Bible says, let him that's worthy come forth and take the book out of the hand of him that sits upon the throne. That book was the title deed to redemption to the earth. See, let me explain this one thing to you. God gave the earth its domain to the human race. The heavens he kept for himself. But he said, this is your portion. Subdue it. Overcome it. Have the dominion. Dwell upon it. Do with it as you will. And the Bible says God brought all the animals to Adam and stood back and watched. But no sooner did he give them their inheritance, they in turn forfeited it. Right. 
Amen? Now the right to it, not the control, but the right to it, went back to the hands of the original owner, which was God. And there he sits in Revelations with it in his hand. But the control of it, man forfeited to Satan. And it's so funny to me, people look upon the evil of the earth and say, why does God allow? He's not in control of it. Satan met Christ in John 4 and said, the Bible says, showed him all the kingdoms of the world from Adam till the end in a moment's time and said, all of these kingdoms are mine and I do with them as I will. I also give them to whom I will. So if you bow down and worship me, I will give them to you. You know what that makes me wonder? What have the people done who are in control? Who do they worship? That's just me. And the Bible says he's the prince of the power of the air. The Apostle Paul said, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. That's not our fight. But we war against spirits that are in high places. Amen? Demons of darkness that rule this present world. So man fell. And now for the right to walk back and have the dominion, there was nobody worthy. And John said, I wept bitterly, if you read in Revelations, for we searched throughout all heaven. And when we brought up Moses, and we went over, man, we were impressed with Moses. But alas, Moses was not worthy. We brought up Elijah, Jeremiah. We brought up all the great men we could tout. We listed all their deeds and men polished. And we were proud. But alas, they were not worthy. And he, searched, he said, we searched the breast of the earth. And all the apostles that were left alive, none were worthy. We searched underneath the earth, everybody that had gone on before. And no one was worthy. And John said, I wept bitterly because no one was worthy. Why? Because... If no one was worthy to walk back and take what belonged to us, we were doomed. I mean, you could have had an angel walk up. Angel was worthy, but God didn't give the earth to the angels. Amen? He gave it to the human race. So it had to be one of us. And John said, and no man was found worthy. And I wept bitterly. But he said, my weeping didn't last very long because a strong angel proclaimed, John, weep not, for there is one worthy. For the lion of the tribe of Judah, he hath prevailed. And John's wiping his eyes. John said, and I turned to see who, who was worthy. And then being turned, I saw... He's turning to see a, a lion. He said, and I looked deep into the midst of the throne, the very heart of the throne. I hadn't saw it before. But way down deep in the midst of the throne, this is so amazing to me, this story. He said, deep down in the heart of the throne, 
out of the smoke and the shadows, something started walking forward. He said, in the midst of the throne, I saw a lamb. And it wasn't just a cute lamb. It was a bruised, bloody, beaten lamb as though it had been slain. And I hadn't saw it before. Why? Because there wasn't a demand yet. And that's us many times. We think, I, hadn't, I can't see a way out of this situation right now. There's no way out. And somewhere out of the darkness, in the midst of the shadows, something steps forward. God's grace. You find this when you trust Him. The supreme situation will produce the supreme answer. And John said, In the midst of the throne I saw a lamb as though it had been slain. And it walked forward, and the angel cried out, John! The lamb is worthy. And the lamb walked forward and took the book and loosed the redemption thereof. Amen? And this is the Old Testament. Remember I said we're standing before God. Somebody could stand in the stead, but they'd have to be willing. And that is why the Bible said, Christ said, no man lays down my life. I freely give it up. No man takes it. I lay it down for the sins of many. And that's why he, the Bible says, he and he alone tread the fierceness of the winepress of Almighty God alone. That's why when all of Pilate's men and the high priest started coming for Christ, his very closest friends started running Dodging left and dodging right, hiding behind bushes, and Christ was standing alone. And then Peter come walking, following, trailing behind. You know, the one said, I'll never deny you, Lord. And then when they began to judge him, Peter stood afar off and warmed himself by the fire, trying to see what's going on. And they judged him, they abused him. They beat him. And then they came over and said, aren't you one of them? To Peter. And Peter said, I don't know who that guy is. I'm just trying to warm myself by the fire. And they did this three times. And Peter started swearing and cursing to show the people, I'm not like him. The Bible says, when Peter began to swear, the rooster crowed. And Christ told Peter, Peter, before the rooster crows in the morning, You will have denied me three times. Because Peter made that notable accolation, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And he said, oh, you will, Peter. And the moment the rooster crowed, in the midst of his trial, Christ looked over at Peter. And the Bible says, Peter ran out of the city, fell down by the wall, and started weeping bitterly. No man was found worthy. So if you bring up your righteousness to God, you will fall short because He will. Okay? Let's do it. We'll judge you by your works. You can ask. You can plead. Like in our own, we can say trial by jury or trial by judge. We have a choice. And you can choose. God, 
judge me by my works or judge me you have that choice so when you pray I would admonish Lord no good works that I have done but I'm pleading to your grace I don't stand here the fact that I've preached for almost 30 years and tried to do good and try, I don't want to do that because I'll leave out all my bads but you'll have to bring them up I'll leave out all my shortcomings and my failures, but they'll have to be brought up. Amen? Amen. But I would rather you to judge me by your grace and look upon not me nor my works, but the goal, the one that stood in my stead. Look upon him and hear my plea or my prayer. Hear my cry, O Lord, and look upon him. Amen, him who was worthy. That's what the, all the Old Testament was all about. To, drip, to draw the human race in a conclusion so they could, it's called relax or let go. So you could let go of your own righteousness. Amen? Let go. Okay, let's just, let's not even do this anymore. And as the human race where we come into God's grace, the church, let's go. It relaxes. It says, Lord, we don't cling to our works. We cling to your grace. Amen. Amen. So, this is where the Bible says, by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself. No good deeds we have done. See, we don't even present them. I mean, you might have one, but if you present one, we have to present all your works. You see? You say, well, I've got two. I'd just like to hang on to. I'm so proud of that. I mean, I memorized, and, and from a youth, I have. But if you hold on to one and like to present that, you'll have to present them all. You've got to be judged one way or the other. So there's two covenants. It's, that's, that's what testament means, too. It means covenant. So there's two covenants, or two testaments. An old one, and now a new one. The question is, which one do you want to be judged by? Which one do you want to live by? Which one do you want to hold on to? Because you want to know what? I'm going to let you in a little secret. There's no power whatsoever at all for salvation in the Old Covenant. There wasn't none. There wasn't any. But the strength and the power to deliver and save was in the New Covenant. Amen. So, and I'm, I'm drawing this out. I know this is a series I've been preaching on for a while. So then the new covenant came into perspective. Christ laid it out and said, listen to this, and I'm going to give you the old and new covenant was John the Baptist. He was the hinge pen. He looked like the old, but he introduced the new. So he had his hands on both. Amen? Because why? Because on this side of the old covenant, the Holy Ghost was not given 
Because what? Let me explain one thing to you. The, the people in the Old Testament, they could have a substitutionary offering. They could offer the, a, a natural lamb for their sins. But they got a problem. The, the thing that made me want to sin is still there. The only thing this did was cover. It's called a covering, offering, or substitutionary offering. It just covered up my sins. But laying beneath that, my offering is still all my filthy desires. See, why? Why are they still there? Because I am a sinner. Amen? I am a sinner. And there's a substitutionary offering that they would bring once a year to the high priest. The high priest would make you as the individual. You'd lay it on the altar. He would make you bring it up. He would examine it. There's no fault in it. It's a perfect lamb. You bring your lamb or your pigeon, whatever you could afford, and then you'd lay it on the offering. He would examine it. He'd say, yes, it's, it's worthy to be offered up. He would make you put your hands on the lamb. And to the horns of the altar, they would tie that lamb down. And the altar would have four horns. And that lamb, just a little old lamb, they don't have a clue. But they would tie, the high priest would tie him to the altar. And the lamb's kicking, trying to get up. And he would make you lay your hands on the lamb. So you could be identified with your sacrifice. Amen? I mean, we could make a sacrifice, but who does it apply to? So the oncomer that was trying to get back to God would walk up and lay his hands on the head of the lamb. And then the moment he laid his head on the lamb, the high priest would slice the throat of the lamb. And it was a mess. And the, and the blood would run all the way down the altar. And the lamb, it didn't just die. It was dying. So it would be fighting for life, trying to get back up, trying to live. And we were trying to make it die. And, it, and, it, and then the oncomer would lay his hands on it and he'd feel the life leaving the body of that lamb. And he would know, this is just a little innocent lamb, a little woolly thing. We took its life for my life. It had to die so I could live. That is the nature of life. Every, no matter what it is, for something to live, something has to die. For me to continue to live, something has to die for my substance. Even if I'm a vegetarian, then there's bacteria, the plants, all that has to die so I can live. This is a whole thing in life. Something has to die so I can live. Well, this is my spiritual life. So I can live spiritually, that lamb had to die. It gave its life for my life, but the, the thing about it was the, the nature or the life of that innocent lamb went back to God. It could not come back upon me. So then the thing that made me do it was still there. And I walked away with the same desire. So it didn't cure sin. It just covered it. So here's the prophets and the law standing on this side of the covenant. Well, we needed something to take away the desire to make me sin. And the only thing that could do that was the life of the sinful, sinless one. Christ, the Bible says, was tempted in all points and manner as we are, but without sin. 
I mean, he had, he was tempted with the desires of the flesh. He was tempted to be called a big man, to be patted on the back. You're something great, which they actually did. They called him good master. He said, why call you me good? There's only one good, and that's God in heaven. See, he didn't suck it up like we love to do. He was tempted in every point with immorality. Just pushed it back. And then he was judged to be worthy. Well, then his spirit, when it was ripped, and this is what Christ said, he said, if a corn of wheat stands in the middle of a field alone, where does it stand? Alone. I mean, it's a beautiful head of corn, but it's alone. But if that corn be planted, all those little seeds in that head will bring up a whole field. So if the Son of Man abides, he abides alone. But if he is killed or planted, he will bring forth a hundredfold. And because they didn't know what he was saying, because he was saying, I go away, I go away. And they're like, don't leave us. He said, another one's coming. The Comforter, whom the Father will send in my name. We don't know anybody else, this Comforter who you send. We like you. We have confidence in you. And he said, hold on, let me explain this to you. I go away, but I come again. What? I come in another form. For I will be with you, even in you, till the end of the world. Amen. Amen. And I, I singularly will never leave you, nor forsake you. You can take that to the bank. When you feel like you're alone, you have never been forsaken. Amen. That's what I need. But God had to plant it. And when the sacrifice, the body of the Lamb had to go and lay on the altar of sacrifice. Amen? Because remember this, that same altar was called the judgment seat. And if you stood before the judgment seat, you were judged. I do not want to be there. But the moment the high priest walked up and sprinkled blood all over that judgment seat, it became the mercy seat. Amen? And Christ said, I go to the right hand of the Father. The body is laid on the altar. I stand in your stead. You stand in my stead. Amen. And when the Spirit was ripped from Christ and thrown back to the earth, we needed His Holy Spirit to live a holy life or above life. Amen. Well, here's John stand, or all the laws and the prophets are on this side without the Spirit. The Spirit of God could influence them, could, could lead them, guide them, but it never came back into them. Amen? Because what? They hadn't yet been redeemed. That's why the Bible says they went to paradise, a holding place. They couldn't go before the presence of God, not before Christ was slain, but the Bible says when Christ ascended on high, he went into paradise and what? And on his ascension, he led captivity captive and ascended on high. Amen. And the Bible says, what went you out to see? Now here's Christ. They were like, well, we understand the law and the prophets and we understand you, but what's this John? And Christ said, well, what did you go out to see? A prophet like Moses or Elijah? When you went to see John, no, I say way more than that when you saw John. Did you go out to see a reed shaken with the wind? 
That means a man's paid off to do the bidding of all those that love him? No, not John. Did you see, go out to see somebody dressed in soft remnant that kiss the babies and marry and bury the old? Not John. This is him who was spoken of that he goes out before my face. The proclamation. But I want to say this. All the law and the prophets pentacled at John. And not a man born of a woman to this day was near as great as John. You're like, wow, man, John's an awesome dude. John is literally just, I mean, he's taking my breath away. How high Christ put him. But all the law and the prophets pentacled right up. And at the cap of it was John. And he said, but I want to say something to you. But he that is least in the new covenant, that weak Christian that barely keeps himself saved. And you say, where's Mike? Mike's not doing so well. Go get him. Why don't somebody go and see if they can't talk to Mike? And Mike, I don't know if I'm saved. Sometimes I wonder if God even loves me. Yeah, that guy. He that is least in the kingdom of heaven. He that is least in the new covenant is greater than John. See, that's how great the new covenant is. But every bit of it is moved and operated and instituted by faith. You actually have confidence in it. Christ said, look, to the old people, you've had confidence in God, have confidence in me. Amen? For in my Father's house, or in my Father's domain, are many habitations, and I go and prepare a place for you, that where I am, you may be also. Amen. Amen. I go away, but I come again for you. Amen. Why? Because I go do a work for you that you can't do for yourself. You cannot appear before the presence of God and stand for your redemption. I go lay on the altar. But you do my work. You be the light of the world. Amen. You be the light of the world. In my stead. You're, yes, Lord, I could do that. I don't want to stand before the throne of God and plead my own case. How about you go there and plead my case for me? I wouldn't even know how to open it up. I wouldn't even know an open argument. Because the first thing I did is say, Lord, I try so hard. <laughs> I do it every time. Lord, don't you even love me? What do you mean, don't you love me? God laid aside his splendor took on a robe of flesh, was made a little lower than the angels, came into the world and said, the foxes, the foxes have dens and the birds have nests. The Son of Man doesn't have a place to lay his head. He came so low. He became a foot-washed flunky for my sake. The lowest thing in Israel was somebody that stood at the door and washed the dung off your feet and then wiped it off. And put oil on your head. That's what he became. When? When all the Old Testament and all pentacled what? At the Paschal Lamb. And the Bible says Christ was so excited. He was going to eat the last supper with his disciples one last time. And he said, you are my friends. And I'm grieved in my heart that I'm going to depart and leave you. For you have no idea what lays ahead of you. 
but you're going to do this all alone by yourselves. And he was so excited to eat the Last Supper with him. This was the thing that Moses instituted when they were leaving Egypt. And there was the last plague. And God, Moses, told Israel, you're going out in the morning. Hallelujah. But I adjure you, each and every one, take a lamb, gird your shoes on, because you're going out. You're going to eat the last supper. The last supper in Egypt you'll eat. Amen. This is the last one of your bondage. The last night you'll be in slavery. You eat the lamb. For this night I will pass through Egypt and the death angel will slay the firstborn of everyone, whether he be cattle or beast, whether it be man or woman, the firstborn of every household will die. Egypt will release after this one. And he said, you'll eat the Paschal lamb, the going out lamb, but as you go out, and I bring you into a new land, pre-adventure, you and your children forget that I brought you out of bondage. I adjure you once a year. You do this in remembrance that I brought you out of Egypt and you were slaves and I made you a free people, and I made you a nation. And every year, they would eat the Paschal Lamb with bitter herbs in remembrance of that covenant that God had made with Moses and Abraham and Isaac and what God had done for them. And Christ was so excited to eat the Passover one more time with his friends. And then he sat down and he ate. We've seen the picture. The Last Supper. The last time this was ever going to be instituted. And the Bible says, supper being ended. 1 Corinthians 11. Christ stood up and said, look, he picked up bread and he broke it. It was a symbol of what was about to take place. You have lived underneath this old covenant. And we have eaten the flesh of this old lamb. And we have shed its blood. And as we've eaten this flesh in remembrance of the day you were delivered out of Egypt, you take this bread and you eat. For in this bread is my flesh. Do this often as you remember it. Do this in remembrance of me. The Bible says, then he picked up a glass of wine and said, this is the new covenant, not in the blood of that old lamb. This is the new covenant in my blood. This do ye in remembrance of me. What? He was instituting the new covenant. We're no longer underneath the blood of bulls and goats and substitutionary offerings. Before morning's over, he will be judged and condemned and be hanging on Mount Calvary. This do ye as often in remembrance of me. My question is, when you plead your case and in your prayer you offer it up 
God, please. Lord, I've worked so hard. I've tried so hard to please you. Open the books. What? Prayer just came up. The Bible says in the incense that come up before the throne are the prayers of the saints. Imagine prayer came up. God's going to ignore the prayer. Open the books of his life. Is he sinless? One of the angels reads that we can't answer that prayer. Say you want to be judged underneath the old covenant. Under my works, my do's and my don'ts. But when you plead your prayer, you see some people, you're like, man, God loves that person, gives them everything, and just works right for them. And they're, they're I mean, that, have you seen the sin in their life? They can't even keep it together. They don't even know half right and wrong. And it seems like God just dumps, dumps, dumps. Because they don't know enough not to plead His grace. Nobody's told them not to. <laughs> they don't have enough good works behind them to shove it up in His face. I'm going to ask you a question. How did you get saved? The grace. I mean, you were at the altar. Your life was a mess. It's not like, I decided, uh, you know, I'm going to college, I'm going to get saved, I'm going to get a car. You don't do that. The call of God goes out, and it pulls on the heart. As many as I love, I rebuke and I chastise. And at the day of Pentecost, Peter, Peter said, this is that which was spoken by the prophets. Joel, in the latter days, the Bible says, they submitted brethren. They were pricked in their hearts. They were condemned. They were pricked in the heart. The Holy Ghost knows how to do it. The voice of God coming through the Word. It moves the heart. And the day I got saved, I fell down and said, Lord, I don't, I don't understand anything preachers say. Just, God, i got to have something different in my life if you're even there. They say you're there, and they act like they know what they're talking about. I'll just tell you this, God. I need something. And it feels like something got up underneath your ox cart with all its broken wheels and went, and just picked it up. And the weight of my sins just lifted off of me. God, I don't know what you did, Lord. Just thank you. Appreciate it. You didn't offer any good work. You had none to offer. If you truly got saved and you truly know what salvation is, go and live in iniquity. Iniquity, sins are the mistakes we make, but iniquity is the things we know better and yet we do them anyway. And you'll feel the weight of that sin or the ox cart go back down on the back of the center again. And you'll be like, oh, it's no big deal. God doesn't care. And then it really does it. And then it just starts getting heavier. And heavier, and you go, oh, yeah, I remember what it was like to live a sinner's life. I can't find any happiness in anything. And the weight of my sins start getting heavier and heavier. It doesn't matter. I'm just telling you, God, God's okay with that. And when did you find out what was wrong? When the Holy Spirit rebuked you and revealed to you, don't do that anymore, son. What? I haven't really addressed it up to now. That temper, I've let you blow off for a year or two. But you need to deal with that. We're going to dig into that one. And then after a while, it just becomes a, a burden upon you. And then you fall down underneath His grace. Lord, forgive me. 
I, I, I don't know how to do it. I, I did it again. And I know you're not happy with it. But I don't know how to stop. Forgive me. And carry my burdens for me. And whatever it takes, Lord, redeem me. And you'll watch it just pick right back up. Amen. Well, the way you got saved, you didn't offer anything. This is the way you started your heavenly journey. Keep it. I mean, I might say, Brother Nathan, you're a good man. Or you might say, Brother Stephen, you're a good man. You've lived your I've known you since you were, well, since we were kids. We grew up together. And I've seen a real change in you. And everybody can look at my works. That's fine. But this is what the Apostle Paul said. Abraham had wherewith to boast before man, but not before God. Amen? You say, Lord, he said, I'm good, but we both know what I am. Any good in me is you. No good deeds that I have done. See, I started my heavenly journey based upon the grace of God. Then I plead the grace of God till we get there. Lord, look, here's one. Lord, financially, I've got, I've got a burden. You laid it on us in the curse, Father. That we, thorns and thistles come upon there, and, and man, by the sweat of your brow, you'll provide for your family. You wanted to do it this way by your own wisdom? By your own wisdom, then you'll live by it. And I'm not trying to shuck my duties, Lord. And I know here we are till the end of the road. But God, could you bless me? In your word, you blessed your people. When they pleased you, could you bless me, Lord? Put a blessing upon my finances, make my burdens a little easier. Look, but how are you presenting them? Because you know I try. Don't do it. You've been praying that prayer for years. But Lord, would you help me? And I ask, look, do all you do in word and deed. In the name of Jesus Christ, deed. Lord, because you're good. And you've already paid for it in Mount Calvary. You paid that I could ask this prayer. You purchased it before I ever got here for a blessing. And you help me because you're good and you enjoy blessing your children. You said ask for good things. And when you ask for the blessings of God, you're asking based upon His works, not my works. Amen? So in this, we're coming up on the new covenant. We're closing out the old. It's like close in five minutes we're closing out the old you ever moved from one house to another you're getting rid of old stuff you're packing stuff up this is a old chapter in our life this is where the church is at right now old chapter the old testament is going away the new covenant is being birthed on the horizon all the old the apostle paul said were allegories they were shadows and types that we may understand they were a natural, a natural rock, rock. Moses stood upon the rock. To Moses, it was just a rock. But to me, in the new covenant, it's until I may understand spiritual things, the rock that Moses stood upon. You ever heard that song, Stand Upon That Rock, the one that Moses stood on? Yeah, it's a rock. It's where I'm based upon, the rock of revelation that the New Testament church is based upon, the rock, the revelation of Jesus Christ. Shall God establish his church and she'll stand forever. The gates of hell will come up against it. Come up against what? The revelation of Jesus Christ in my life. 
the one standing there guarding everything for me, the one purchasing everything for me, that rock will beat against it. The gates of hell will rush up against it constantly, and you'll stare Satan in the face over and over again. As long as I hold tight, by His grace I stand and I shall not be moved. See? I shall not be moved. Standing like a rock. All of the old was done as an allegory, the Apostle Paul said, that we may understand spiritual things. How heaven opens up. And God said to Peter, Peter, upon this rock, I'm closing on this one, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And listen to this, whatsoever, you're my representation on earth, little church, and whatsoever you bind on earth, I will bind it in heaven. And whatsoever you loose on earth, I will loose in heaven. I give unto you the keys to the kingdom, bind and loose by my word. And you can stand, as long as you're standing upon that revelation, 100% in His grace, Lord, I plead my prayer based upon your grace. Open these doors for me. And just stand. The Bible says, when you've done all that you know to do to stand, then stand, therefore, having yourself completely dressed in the armor of God and His righteousness, knowing that you are in a battle. Some battles, they lay, they, they lay siege for years. And some skirmishes are won quickly. But you are in a battle. And this battle is for the human race and all that was ever given her. And this is where the church was at, at this point. She was standing at the precipice of this door. And John brings her into the Isle of Patmos. And Christ comes to John and says, I will show you things that will happen from here till we hit eternity. Write it in a book. And send it. That's where they were at, at this time. Let's stand together. Heavenly Father, we've come together, Lord, in the assembly. And Father, we've lifted up our voices in accolation, Lord, to all the good things that you have done for us, Father. But Lord, at the end of the day, Father, we want to see you standing at the end of our tomorrows, Lord. We want to see you high and lifted up in our lives, Lord. Sometimes we let you look so low, Father. Then we lift up ourselves, and Father, we have ourselves sitting at the top of our world. And we fall so short, Lord. But Lord, in your grace, help us take our eyes off of ourselves, Lord. All of our goods and our bads, Lord. And help us place our eyes on you, Lord the sacrifice that stood in our stead. And when we offer up our prayers, we quote back your word to you, Father, and tell you you're a good God, Lord. You love your children. You love me, Lord. You do it not because I'm good, Father, 
but because you're good. Not because I'm righteous, Lord. Because I'm not righteous, it's because you're righteous, Lord. Not because I deserve it, but because you enjoy doing good to your children, Lord. And I know I don't deserve this goodness, Father. I know I don't deserve your mercy, Lord. I know I don't deserve your grace. But it's me, Lord, and I'm asking one more time. You said in your word, if you being evil know how to give good things to your children, how much more does your heavenly Father know how to give good to them that ask? Lord, that's your word, Father. And I'm asking in your name, Lord, bless my life. Help me to overcome. Lift me up, Father. Lift me above my weaknesses, Lord. Let me walk in your glory. And when people ask, Father, I'll be sure to give you the praise and the honor that it's God in me shining forth a light to the world. Father, you need your church to shine in the darkness, Lord. The shimmering lights as those that pass by, Father, that they may see in the darkness. If your church ever goes out, Lord, the world, Father, she'll stagger in darkness. But your church, Lord, they glow against the backdrop of that deep darkness, Lord. And here we're shimmering, Father, down to the last age. God, you need your church. You may not need me, Lord, but you need your church. God, help me to be a part of that last day church, Lord. Help me to shine, Father, brighter and brighter unto the new day. I ask in the name of Jesus Christ, help me trim my lamps, Lord. Help me make myself ready at your appearing. Father, pour oil down in my vessel. Let me burn bright that I may be a good light. So I could say like the Apostle Paul, when I come down to the end of my days, I have fought a good fight. I have kept the faith. And for me, there is laid up a crown of righteousness. I ask, Father, not only for me, but all of those underneath the sound of my voice. That's our prayer, Lord. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen and amen.